My name is Eliana Smith. Hi. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to share a few things that the Lord has been doing um, in my life recently. Um, this past year has been crazy, but more recently, God has shown me his faithfulness in a whole new light. A while back, I started praying for a new job. I was comfortable, but did not see a future where I was at. He told me to hold out for about six more months. At the time, I was doubting whether or not I could hear his voice, so I overlooked what had been spoken to my heart. As time passed, my work environment became exponentially worse and unhealthy for me to be in. The more difficult the days became, the more distant I felt from God. I prayed and prayed, but he seemed quiet. I was real with him in those prayers, expressing my frustration and exhaustion as honestly as I could. In my heart, I knew that he was working in the background to rescue me, but at the same time, I was feeling so hopeless and beaten down that I questioned why the Lord would let me walk through all of this. So I'm the type of person who tends to go into a freak-out mode when things arise that I can't control. <laughs> so the worse things became, the more focused I was on the problem. I knew God would have a lesson for me to learn, but I could not seem to figure out what it was. I have a history of giving into unhealthy coping methods when I become discouraged. Having been working on my faith a lot this past year, I knew that giving up was not an option. I chose to renew my mind with the fact that I am a new creation. Worship has always been a place that I feel closest to Jesus, so I drowned myself in praise and pressed into prayer. I now see that for the first time in my life, I fully understand how it feels to stand in faith in the midst of a storm. Six months later, I'm here. Dave reached out to me about chaperoning the high school girls for the winter camp at Camp Geneva. I did not know what I was getting myself into, but I'm so glad that I showed up. I assumed that I would be going to pour into the girls, but they ended up pouring into me. They encouraged and built me up as they spoke words over me that were 100% spirit-led. Not only did I meet so many amazing women that go to Moran Park, but the whole weekend spoke directly to my heart. The teachings were focused on the importance of spiritual discipline and solitude with God, which is something that had developed in me the past six months. They also taught about having the joy of the Lord in all circumstances in this crazy life. I was introduced to the song Raise a Hallelujah that weekend, and I've had it on repeat ever since. My weapon is a melody through every tough, tear-filled tear day. The Monday after the winter retreat, I had an interview. The Lord told me to decline the last job that I was offered, so I was nervous. Wanting so desperately to remove myself from my current job, it was difficult to be obedient when opportunities looked good but weren't from God. But this job was different. The person leading the interview had a daughter that attended the winter retreat as well. We ended up chatting about my experiences there and at Moran Park Church. It was amazing, and I got the job, exactly six months from when I heard the Lord's promise. I just wrapped up my first full week there. <laughs> In the midst of it all, I have been praying that the Lord would use me. My heart longs to do the things that God created for me, and I wanted to find my role at Moran Park. From the winter camp retreat came the opportunity to join the youth group as a leader for the high school girls. And wow, I am so humbled and excited. I feel so unqualified, but I see now how the Lord has a plan for my life in every season. I am confident that he's going to use me in ways that I never even expected. It's pretty awesome how he placed me here, because high school was the darkest time of my life, and I'm still working through some of the scars from it. For God to take the brokenness in me and use it to help these girls absolutely blows me away. The Lord is faithful, and he is on the other side of everything we face, and is moving in the background to work it all for our good. Not only has this journey grown my faith, but also my trust in my Heavenly Father. Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Good morning. My name is Al Lanning, and I'm here this morning to share a couple uh, years of my experience at Moran Park here, and I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled to stand in front of you today and do that. The Lord has been so good to me, and I really want to focus on, like I said, the last two years. And more of my story will come out later. You can look at my hair and tell you, I can tell you there's a lot more <coughs> as we go forward. But I just want to share what he's done for me. My first sense that God is great and he can make things happen is when I volunteered to work upstairs with 70 times 7. After I started, I had a lot of self-doubts. Self I was absolutely scared to, to get started. 
But I only had one thing to do, and that was pray to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I have so many shortcomings. I really need your help. If there ever was a time, I need your help. You have to strengthen my weaknesses so that I can be an effective member up there. <clears throat> Today, I can stand right here in front of you, all of you, and I can tell you without a doubt that he has answered every one of my prayers. <clears throat> yes, hallelujah. <clears throat> I, have, I have more confidence, more knowledge, and more courage than I ever had in my lifetime. I just thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. I have just found out there God is so caring and so helpful. I just love working up in 70 times 7. It's just been such a rewarding experience. <clears throat> By now, my courage was at an all-time high. I mean, I was about ready to do anything. So when I found out they needed help downstairs, I was, I, yeah, I signed up right away. <clears throat> I had this new courage the Lord had given me, this new courage. I just felt like he was walking beside me every day. <clears throat> so I think the word got out to Suzanne, wherever she is, that I was right there, okay, that I was willing to help downstairs. So I don't think it took from this area here to where I was sitting back there, <clears throat> I got to my, my seat over there, and Suzanne was right by my side. She said, Al, she said, I've been praying, praying for somebody like you to work downstairs. And I turned to her and I said, Suzanne, God has just answered your prayer. Because I'm going to help you out, and I will help you out until you want to get rid of me. <laughs> I just love, love working with the children down there. It's been just an amazing to see as these children grow for the love of the Lord. It's just absolutely phenomenal. <clears throat> so I have to tell you, if someone would have come to me two years ago and said, Al, you're going to be standing on this stage, and you have been <laughs> working at 70 times 7 and working downstairs, I'd have to look at him and I'd say, you're absolutely nuts. <laughs> because there was no way, no how, that I'd be doing this. But... Thank you, Lord, because you had a different plan for me. Today, my heart is just filled with joy. I mean, every day I can sense the Lord walking by my side, just guiding me as I go forward. But, you know, the last two years have been wonderful. And I have just have a lot of people to thank for what I've gone through the last two years. And um, Britton, Dave... And Daniel, you have been my rock. You've answered all my questions. You've been there when I needed you. And I just love, love your enthusiasm you have for the Lord. Thank, thank you, thank you, and God bless you. <clears throat> Charlie, Charlie and Bob, I've seen them both here this morning. Man, I, I got upstairs, and I'm not kidding you, I was scared. But, boy, they have walked by my side for the last year and a half, and I thank you guys for being there because you have made it really easy to get involved. And lastly, Suzanne, I thank you for your confidence in me, uh, for coming to seek me out. That has been wonderful. <clears throat> there are so many more people that I should be thanking, but I just want to look at Moran Park as a whole this morning. And, you know, I love all you people here. You've meant so much to me. You will never, ever know what an impact you've had on my life. I thank you all. God bless you. And I just know for sure that God is good. Thank you. So I was on vacation, and I came back, and they're like, hey, we got a couple testimonies that are going to be shared this Sunday. We asked a few people, and... Uh, Maybe a few of them will say yes to share what God's doing, and all of them said yes. <laughs> so I don't have much time this morning to share. Um, but I do have something stirring that I think the Lord does want to share with us this morning. We're just wrapping up um, a number of weeks where we've addressed a lot of questions that you've submitted. And, and honestly, like going into a lot of those weeks... In my own sense, I'm like, man, these are going to be like really heavy weeks. Whoa, these are really heavy. And the Lord changed my mind. Um,
hang on, I gotta ask Google where a, a verse is. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> a little detour this morning. Praise the Lord for the Google and the Holy Spirit, but Google too. All right, I want to read a verse, two verses, John 8. What ahead for this week? We'll just move to next week, I think, Lord willing. All right, John 8, 31 and 32. This is not on the board. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, approaching this series, and each week I'm like, man, this is super heavy stuff. Like, oh, the weight. And we thought maybe when we were done with the series, when the Lord said, okay, you're done, we thought that was going to be the Sunday that we were just going to hand out ice cream and puppies for everyone, right? Just like... <laughs> Because you asked some like really tough questions and some really legit questions. We talked about everything from sexuality to abortion to can I smoke weed now that it's legal to, you know, gender stuff. I mean, like all sorts of stuff. And there's a bazillion other things that we could have talked about too. And someday, God willing, we will. I'm sure we'll submit, like open up questions again for you to ask and we'll do it again when the Lord tells us, hey, it's time to do that. But the Lord reminded me, like, there's always this fear of, like, well, how are people going to respond? Or what are people going to think? And you've only got so much time, and people are going to take things out of context. Or what about their situation? And, and, and the Lord brought me back to these topics are not weighty in the spiritual sense. Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden, my yoke is, hang on. Help a brother out. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Okay, thank you. Um. And it's true. Jesus leads us the path that leads to life. And he reveals truth to us. Not that truth would enslave us. Not that truth would be this big burden upon us. Not that truth would be this thing. It's like, oh, I can't carry this. How in the world can I do this? The truth that is given to us is so that we may walk in freedom. Jesus says, I'm giving you truth. And the truth will set you what? Free. free. God's desire is for us to walk in freedom. God invites us to not walk in the ways of the world and, and walk in repentance away from that towards himself, not for this burdensome obedience, but for joyful obedience because we walk in step with him, it brings freedom to us and it brings glory to him. Right? When we walk in this joyful obedience, it gives a display of the character and the splendor and the awe of God himself. When we stand up here today in a small, small number of the testimonies of the things that God's been doing in our midst. That is a sign of like, look at the power and the splendor and the awe of God. Because only God could do the things that we are going to testify to this morning. Alright, here's the thing that's on my heart. Sometimes we hear these testimonies or we hear teachings and we have this weight of, I should do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. So we leave this place and we go and try really hard to try to do what the Lord tells us to do. We try to leave this place and stop smoking weed. We try to leave this place and, and, and walking in holiness and purity in our own strength. Like, I'm just getting more willpower, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try my own. Here's the good news of the gospel, is that God gives us freedom not just from sin. He gives us the freedom from our own effort to try to get ourselves out of it ourselves. It is God alone who gives us the ability to even walk in obedience. When Al gets here and he testifies that God gave him courage, even the ability to walk in that courage and do the things that God has given him before him to do, that is only because of the Lord. Like, 
Some of you this morning have received news this week, just tragic, terrible news. You've received news of death. You've received news of sickness. You've received news of cancer. You've received news of heartache. You've received news of people walking out on you in your life. You've received news of divorce. You've received news of all sorts of particular things. And there's this tendency that says, I've got to try harder now to make myself walk in joy. I've got to try harder now to just suck it up. I've got to try harder to do what God wants me to do. And the truth is that when we come to Jesus, he gives us freedom from us trying to do it in our own strength and power. He's bringing freedom this morning to simply go, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And praise the Lord that the gospel is one that says you don't have to do it on your own. He gives you a new heart and he gives you new desires and he gives you the ability to do what God is inviting you to do. So this morning, I wish I had 45 minutes. But I think the thing that the Lord wants to stir in us this morning is when we walk in step with him, it's the spirit that leads us to freedom. Some of you over these past number of weeks on these topics and other topics, the Lord's maybe been stirring your heart and pricking your heart. And you've been going back and forth like, should I really go all in for the Lord? Should my life really be one that says, I want to honor the Lord in all things? And my prayer this morning is that these testimonies would be an, an encouragement and a faith builder for you and say, yes. Look at what life looks like, that we walk in total surrender and submission to King Jesus. God's desire for us is freedom, but it's not for freedom for our own sake. It's so that we walk in a freedom that we can give praise and honor and glory to the Lord because he's worthy of it. Some of you this morning simply need to be reminded of the worth and the goodness of Jesus because your circumstances this week have kicked you down and you're questioning the goodness of the Lord. And let me remind you that Jesus is good. He is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. Some of you this morning feel like you're still in bondage. You feel like I'm still being weighed down. And I appreciate Eliana's testimony. The Lord said in six months, well, she had to wait for six months for the answer of that, of that promise. Some of you are in the middle of waiting for the promise of the Lord to come through. And for those of you that are still waiting, may you not give up hope. May you walk in faith and say, Jesus always does what he says he's going to do. Even if he doesn't do it in my timeline or how I want him to do it, he always does what he says he's going to do. Because God's ultimate goal is that he would be glorified and lifted up and his name would be exalted. That's his ultimate goal and he's going to do it in the best way that he sees fit. So Moran Park this morning, I pray that we would be spurred on toward continued surrender and submission to Jesus. That we would grow in greater freedom. Because the truth of the gospel is that Jesus has set us free from sin. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are no longer a slave to the kingdom of this world. We've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been brought into the kingdom of light. Jesus has purchased our freedom. And he's giving us the power of the spirit to walk out that freedom this morning. So these testimonies as they're shared. There's a comparison game we like to play. Like, oh, that's good for you, but not for me. Don't let yourself play the comparison game. But may it be build faith. That the freedom that God has brought for these folks that he wants to bring for you this morning. And for those of you that are still waiting for that fulfillment, we stand with you. We love you and we encourage you to press in towards the Lord. Sorry, I'm just checking to make sure the Lord's done. Let's pray, Jesus. Um, I pray if there's anything else you want to say, Lord, that you'd speak it. In the flesh, I'm looking at the clock going, okay, okay, okay. But Holy Spirit, we just give you, give you time. If there's something else you want to say, that you would say it. God, this morning that I pray that uh, we, would, we would experience the freedom that you promise, Lord. I pray that we would experience greater freedom from condemnation, greater freedom from shame, God, greater freedom from sin, freedom from um, trying harder on our own.
God, I thank you that your promise says that your truth will set us free. I thank you that Jesus is the truth and we want to follow him. God, would you give us grace to follow him more this morning? God, I pray that as testimonies are shared, that you, God, would not allow us to compare with one another. God, that we would celebrate what you're doing. We'd celebrate your goodness. We'd celebrate your character. God, that faith would abound in this place in any way that the enemy wants to steal faith, wants to steal joy, wants to steal our worship. We command it to be gone in Jesus' name. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a couple more testimonies. I want to invite Jane and Sharon to come up and uh, testify to the freedom that they've experienced, the things that the Lord's been doing in their life. Just make sure it's on. Who's up first? Fight for it? No. No. I remember back to when I was a young single mom of two very small boys, one with ADHD and autism. After a particularly hard day, I remember sitting in the middle of my bed and in gut-wrenching sobs, I said, Jack, please, God, I'm done. I'm done. Take me home tonight. I felt like I was a failure to everyone. I was a failure to my family. I'd failed in my marriage. And now I was failing in motherhood. I couldn't go on. I looked up to God and I just said, take me. That night when I cried out, God showed up in a big way. He gave me a peace for my soul. I remember the sleep I had that night was the best I'd had in a long time. He renewed my spirit. He restored my soul, just like Psalm 23. I hadn't thought about that night for a very long time, except for when the sermon on suicide came about. I remember thinking during that sermon, wow, the enemy was really working on me that night. He was right in my ear, telling me what a failure I was. He knew my sin, or he knew my name, and he called me by my sin. But God knows my sin, and he called me by my name. That's right. He gave me peace for my soul. Fast forward to March 31, 2000. My boys are grown. I received a phone call from a sheriff's deputy telling me that my 20-year-old son was in an ambulance on the way to Holland Hospital in grave condition. He'd attempted suicide. In his goodbye note, my son apologized to me, and he said he felt like a failure and a disappointment to God and our family. And he didn't want to go on. Sound familiar? The enemy was working heavily on him, too. Again, my heart cried out to God. And I felt his presence that night. It was a long road back for our family. I'm not going to lie. But I look at my son today, and I treasure the man that he has become. I treasure all three of my children. Our relationships now are so strong. And I celebrate them every day. This series has spoken to me in so many ways. It's opened up opportunities for me to talk with all of my kids about these things that have happened in our life. It's also reminded all of us that God has been incredibly faithful to our family. We've been able to celebrate his goodness over and over again with so many victories over darkness of the soul. Um, so for the last year and a half or so, God has patiently been teaching me boldness. Um, as I say it, I stand up here and shake. <laughs> um, and yeah, he has just really challenged a lot of, um, a lot of ways I've defined myself. Um, so growing up in an environment with a lot of abuse and mental illness and suicidal ideation, there's a lot of parts in my story that I'm like, eh, let's just gloss over that. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Um, And so a 
couple weeks ago, I don't remember exactly how many, um, but Dave approached me knowing I'm a counselor and is like, hey, we're going to do this sermon on suicide. Um, will you just stand up here and, or not stand up here, but like, will you be there to support anyone that comes forward just that's struggling? And my husband looked at me and I just kind of um, smiled at Dave and it's like, oh, you have no idea <laughs> how closely this touched my heart because my dad committed suicide when I was a kid. Um, and so just again, in God-given boldness, I shared with Dave the, okay, this is my story. This is what I've come from, but more so this is what God has brought me through. Um, and then again, in God-given boldness, just gave Dave permission to share that with all of you guys. Um, um, so yeah, and through, through that whole experience, I was just kind of learning and realizing, wow, I'm allowing a lot of my identification and a lot of my interactions with other people to still be guided by shame rather than by who God says he is and who he says I am. And so through, um, through just sharing with all of you and sharing now, um, God's really reframed my mindset from thinking of, oh, this is me sharing my yuck with all of you to, no, this is God sharing his redemption in my life with all of you. So in telling my story in the past, I was really good at pretending everything's okay. And so when I'd come clean with people and be like, no, this is really where I'm at, a lot of times I would get the reaction where people just look at me and be like, no, that's not true. You know, you're, you're doing too well in that, which was really hurtful at first. Um, but now kind of, again, reframing that and looking back, I just see like this is, um, you know, this is not about me, but it just further testifies to God's power and love and grace in my life. Um, because it's by his strength alone that I thrive in how, and it's by his strength alone that I can tell my story today. Um, you know, I don't have to pretend to be okay because of him. I actually am okay. Um, and so God just em has empowered me in the last couple of weeks to continue to tell my story with other people, um, and to speak hope and healing when I'd much rather just stay quiet. <laughs> um, and so in the boldness that God has taught me, I want to pass that boldness on to you guys and challenge you with that as well. Um, so I'm going to ask you all, let's be real for a second. We all have struggled. We all have stuff in our lives that we're not proud of. Um, and Satan wants nothing more to shame us into silence and to think that we're the only one um, that's struggling because of injustices that have been done to us or because of poor choices we've made. My friends, I want to tell you, that's a lie. Um, in 2 Second Corinthians 7, I think, it talks about how um, godly sorrow leads to repentance and salvation, but how worldly sour, wow, I can't talk, how worldly sour, worldly sorrow, thank you, um, leads to death. And today I just pray um, freedom from that death and freedom from that shame and um, that worldly sorrow over all of you. And so those of you that are struggling, I just pray that God would um, just show you a safe person in your life that you can reach out to and be real with. And that through that interaction, God would just pour out his love and truth and justice onto you. And for those of you that are safe people in this room and people do reach out to, I just pray for the wisdom in that to kind of set aside your own, um, your own agenda and just to listen well, love abundantly, and just keep leading that person back to God's truth. Hey, Moran. Hey. <laughs> My name's Justin. Um, my testimony today is just kind of a little bit about how God cares about the little things and wants to draw us closer to him in that. Um, so about a little over a month ago, I started to kind of feel on my conscience um, maybe the way that I was spending my time wasn't honoring to God. I realized that I'm a single guy. I live alone. I was kind of getting in the habit of coming home and just turning on Netflix. And I would watch Netflix while I ate dinner. And I would watch it while I you know, ate breakfast and while I cooked and cleaned. And basically, it seemed like my whole day was just watching Netflix. And I was starting to realize I've seen almost everything on Netflix. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> so I was realizing that's probably not a great thing. Um, and then uh, we had the sermon uh, where Britton talked about the ABCDSs, um, which I think there's still some cards over there and in the back if you missed that sermon. Um, just, just ways to figure out if something that you're doing is kind of something that's in line with scripture and honoring to God. And I was definitely convicted on the C, is your conscience clear about it? Because I was starting to feel that my conscience wasn't clear about it. Um, the other ones, was it beneficial to me? Probably not. You know, Philippians, I think it is 4, 8, talks about setting your mind on 
things that are above and whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is good. Um, is Netflix that? Probably not most of Netflix. Um, and then the D as well, does it dominate your time? I kind of realized that you know most of my time was being dominated by this and um, that's probably not a good thing. So then um, the next night in house church kind of talked about it and a lot of people were kind of feeling convicted by different things and so I decided to cancel my Netflix account. Just cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and going from that, I thought it was going to be a challenge. And it was a little bit to kind of have that emptiness. Um, I, I realized that I was just filling the silence in my house with Netflix and just to have something on, some kind of noise in the house. And realized that once I shut it off, there were a lot of things and thoughts and issues that I wasn't bringing before the Lord, that I was using that, that noise just to kind of quiet those thoughts, put them aside, and not think about them. And by canceling the account, I realized I was more present in what I was doing, and that freed up time to actually dive into the Word, think about those things, be more intentional with my own walk, with my faith life, and also with other people, and be able to share um, more time and, and more moments of my life with other people. Um, so it was just really a blessing to be able to kind of set that aside, um, haven't missed it, and God's given me the strength to, like, you know, not, not seek it out and um, just be able to focus on him in those times. So just a small thing that kind of transformed, you know, my walk and my relationship with the Lord a little bit. Um, I'm Maria, and like Justin, my testimony is somewhat similar. So when he did the um, sermon about the marijuana, he gave the um, ABCD acronym cards. Um, I just felt like the Lord was nudging me to see where I could apply it to my life. At. And um, just like clear as day, he was like TV. And so um, I'm thinking about it, and he said the things I was watching was not acceptable to him and that they wasn't behooving my walk with him, and that it was messing with my thinking, so of course my conscience wasn't clear. Um, and so it dominated me. Um, like my long days at work would revolve around me getting home, sitting on my couch watching TV. And so um, that whole week we had for school break where they had the snow days, my son was sick the whole week, and so he was in bed. And so if I wasn't stuffing medicine or soup down his throat, I was sitting on my couch watching TV. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, um, so it was a stumbling block. So I feel like anything that dominates me is a stumbling block. Um, and so after that, after examining all of this, I took it home and I prayed about it, and I asked God, okay, TV is not good. What am I supposed to do with that? And he said, clear as day, give it up. And so for the last month, me and my son has not been watching TV, and we will not plan on watching TV until July of this year. Um, <laughs> and so we... <laughs> So with that, the next day I canceled my um, my Hulu, my internet, my cable, my Netflix, all of that. I canceled it all. <laughs> I'm actually saving like 106 bucks. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, Lord, that's a blessing. So yeah. <laughs> And no, but it's been good, though. A lot of people always ask me, like, oh, how is that going? And it's been good. Like, I don't feel the urge to, oh, I'm missing this. And I mean, even though they just came out with Captain Marvel. And then, <laughs> and, and so that's me and my son thing. We do that all the time. And so we've been missing out on that. But it's been good. So um, the Lord, how he's been working in this, he, um, he just been making me aware, like, of him daily. Like, he want me to intentionally seek him daily and, and seek his orchestrated doings. And so I've been doing that. I've been taking the time out of my days, and, like, I'll, I'll set an alarm so I can pray for afternoons. Just during busy days, um, he, one day I was seeking him, and I looked up in the sky, and it was a rainbow hidden behind a cloud. And so I got that picture in my phone that I took. So that's just what he's been doing. I've been discipling a guy at work. He don't know I'm discipling him, but. 
Yeah, so he, he don't know that he's being discipled. He just think that me and him coincidentally talk about God in our conversations every day. And so, <laughs> and, so and God, he, he made it so that me and him can have a long time. So we sample at Jimmy John's. We give out free samples. And so me and him sample on Mondays and Wednesdays. So that's our long time. He get in the car with me, and we ride around, and we pass out free food, and we just talk about God. And it's just been going good. Um, also, me and Patreon, we've been able to spend more time, quality time together. We do do family night and stuff like that, but we've been able to do it more lately. And so that's been going good. We play games. We, um, what, cards, Uno. Sorry, I've been tearing him up. But... <laughs> <laughs> Darnell and Darcel too. I invite them over. I be whooping them. <laughs> um, we do Beyblades too. I've been tearing Britain kids up in Beyblades too. I wish they was here. Um, so yeah, um, I've been reading books. I've been reading um, Living Waters by Brother Yoon. I think that's his name. It's a good book. Um, so if you guys into reading, go out and read the book. I was told to drop the mic when I walked off the stage, but. Grace came and stood next to me, so I'm going to graciously pass it to her. All right. Uh, my name is Grace. I have the privilege of um, telling you what God is doing through Cassie Vandervelden in the way that she spends time at work and just the way that he is spraying her on towards godliness at work. Um, so hear these words from Cassie. I am a pediatric nurse practitioner, and over the last year or so, I started talking about Jesus with my patients at work. A few months ago, I found myself continuing to grow passionate about sharing Jesus with my patients during appointments, and I started to consider cutting out some of the medical parts of my visit so I could spend more time talking about Jesus. But then I realized that the medical care I give is a part of my ministry. If I were to cut out parts of my medical exams and a patient felt or found out that I was giving just average or sub-average medical care, that could weaken my witness about Jesus. It would hurt my message about Jesus. If they can't trust my medical care, how can they trust my witness? If they think I'm a bad nurse practitioner, what will they think of Jesus when I talk about him to them? This is also true of my coworkers. If they think I'm a bad employee, what will they think about Jesus when I talk about him? They read my chart notes and see my patients. I want to be an excellent employee that my work highly values. I want my excellence to stand out to my coworkers and manager because that may bring more glory and credibility to Jesus too, since they know I talk about Jesus. If they view me as excellent, it will strengthen my witness to them too. But if they view me as subpar, that may negatively affect my witness about Jesus to them. That was when I felt convinced that my medical care should strengthen my witness for Jesus, not harm it. Imagine if my patients, coworkers, and managers think very highly of me, and I point to Jesus as the center of my life. That brings honor to God. So now I strive to give excellent medical care. My goal is to give great care and at the same time point to Jesus. My goal is to be an excellent employee in every way I can. This means I try to always have a positive attitude and I work harder than I ever did. I try to make the clinic profitable financially while always being ethical and honest and I am more efficient. I'm certainly not perfect, but thankfully God isn't done working on me yet. I try to give medical care that God would find pleasing along with the most important part, a witness for Jesus that God finds pleasing. The following verses helped me to realize all of this. From Jeremiah 29 verse seven. Pray for peace in Babylonia and work hard to make it prosperous. The more successful that nation is, the better off you will be. And Colossians 3:23, Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the Lord. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. Okay. Um, I want to invite Suzanne up. We were going to sing a couple more songs, but times of the essence and the testimonies are more important. So Suzanne, why don't you come on up? She's got some stories about what the Lord's been doing in the kids' lives downstairs, and we got some pictures to prove it. Okay. Hi, my name is Suzanne Van Drunen. 
Uh, I'm the director of children's ministry, and I work very closely with Katherine Anderlich, who is, uh, yeah, my other half at work. Um, on any Sunday morning, there's a group of teens that meet for dual purpose downstairs, uh, one to engage with the babies left in their arms and to be community with each other. Someone noticed and said, like, are they church together? Yeah, they are every week. On any Sunday, I notice that one of our teens will be having an aside time um, with a child that's having a difficult moment, bringing them to a private place where they can meet the need and the moment with genuine tenderness. And I look at those kids and I'm thinking, where are they getting that kind of compassion and attentiveness and know-how? It's amazing. On any given Sunday, the Lord shows his faithfulness in the classroom leaders who have come to Kathy and myself saying, the Lord has called me to this. I want to be in my classroom four weeks on and two weeks off. Or I have an opportunity to be um, in ministry elsewhere, but would you give me a different week to serve? Or I've been doing nursery, but really I would like to do second graders. The Lord is always at work. Or, um, I know this is my fifth year, but I'm still in. Praise God. Our elementary kids are well um, acquainted with worship. Some sit, some stand. Others use motions or dance or link arms and um, just praise the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. They love the Lord with their muchness. On any given Sunday, our teacher leaders offer the children time with the very word of God, opportunity like Britton preached this morning, to dwell in the word. Because apart from dwelling in the word, spending time and letting the Holy Spirit work on their spirits, they will walk away with nothing. So they are given that, um, asking the Lord for that one nugget for each child, that uh, one seed for each child. A few months back in our elementary section, our scripture from Luke was in the form of a play, the account of Jesus healing the ten lepers. We had the story play. We read the story play multiple times. The word spoke truth and prompted a spontaneous reaction of one of the lepers. He dropped to the floor before Jesus and shouted, Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. He was totally in the moment of the word. One of the testimonies from one of our teachers, she writes, Our story was about Jesus being tempted by Satan and how Jesus said, Nope, I'm not going to believe the lie. One of the little darlings declared, Satan was once a beautiful, powerful angel, and he stood before God and worshipped him. But then he went, he wanted God's power, and that's when he went bad. There was this holy hush, and everyone turned, and all eyes locked on him as if to say, tell us more. These are words of life. This is why we came here. In the elementary section, we've been studying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. I have some samples of journal pages so you can see what they do. The first one is when we explored our Father who is in heaven, may your name be honored for its holiness. We talked about different attributes of um, God, who he is, my peace, my healer, my wisdom, uh, my father like a dad, my shepherd. This one said, you are my safe place. In the classroom that I taught that week, out of eight children, each one chose a different attribute. Each one asked the Lord who they needed him to be for them that week. And the next three are exploration of heaven, what it looks like. God be praised. 
Thank you. Are you going to stand or are you going to sit? Yeah, no, cool. And this is Margaret. Where to begin? Can I just feast on 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 Moran Park? Um, a couple. I don't know whether it was last was it last week or the week before. Was it last week when um, you guys just you, know, you destroyed me, you wrecked me. The Lord wrecked me when when you sang, and uh, um, so a, a few weeks ago. The, the, reason, the reason I'm here is to share a testimony from the, the series that we've been through. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, the series was on purity. Well, if anybody knows me, purity, any, anybody who's worked with me or, or has counseled with me or you know, mentored with me, purity is something that I just hit on all the time. And particularly in this culture, our young people are just, we, do, we don't, don't understand the value, the true value of purity. And so I, I said, Lord, um, how, how can I share? And, and I went up to, to Stacy at that point, and, and I shared with my, test, her, my, my testimony at that point. And she said, well, we don't have time right now, but come back on the 17th. Well, honestly, at that point in time, physically, I did not know where I was going to be. And, uh, uh, but God in his mercy, you can see how, I mean, I had somebody say the other day, you're the best looking cancer patient I've ever seen. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm, I hurt, but I'm not sick. And God is, has been merciful in that, in the testimony, okay? But the, the, like I said, the purpose I'm here is to share my testimony on, on purity. And the, the bottom line is surrender. Okay, and the little bit of the testimony is the fact that I'm the leading edge of the baby boomers. And you young people, ask your grandparents who the baby boomers are. Uh, and that, that means I'm 72 years old, okay? I was born in 1946, and that year, uh, that the population exploded, and it exploded for the next 18 years. And what we did as a generation was we opened the door to hell in this nation. And it is, it's very true. And, and we stand, I, I have many times gone up to the, to the young ones below me and asked forgiveness for what we did. We opened up hell at, at Woodstock. We opened it up hell through feminism, through abortion. We are the ones, our generation, my generation brought that in. And, 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 and we, we are suffering from it today. Well, I was, I was married at 19, I was divorced at 27. And all of a sudden, I look around, and I have two daughters, and now I'm 32 years old, and I really did not want my daughters doing what I was doing. We were the generation of free sex, and I mean, it was, it was quite free, and way too free. And I didn't want my daughters doing that, but I also knew that I was smart enough that it wasn't what I would say to them, it was what I was doing, is what they were going to model. So, I mean, I, I grew up in the church, and I loved, I loved the church, I did. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, may, maybe that's what I need again. And I started looking, I started looking for Jesus, and I wouldn't go back. I, I was raised in, the, in a denomination that um, I, 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 wouldn't, I knew I wouldn't go back to. And I looked around for a year. Well, now I'm 32 years old. And the, the, I had a friend say to me, um, you know, all of, this was during the charismatic movement, okay? And the, spirit, the Holy Spirit was falling all over. And um, I, the, my, my friend said, the, the, the Holy Spirit is showing up at church. Let's go over and see. Well, I did. And I, now, 
I had to, I had already spent five years of uh, incredible sin. For, for, you know, there, there's no way to disguise it. And so all of a sudden, I started recognizing. I started I started going to this church, and 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 they're they're preaching the word. I didn't know exactly that that's what they were doing because I had never read the Bible, really. Uh, but all of a sudden, now for months, I'm starting to hear things. I'm, I'm looking at these people and I'm going, oh my goodness, they, they see each other during the week. You mean that it's not just Sunday morning kind of stuff? And all of a sudden, life was changing. And now what happened was that morning... It was February 27th, 1946. Forty years ago, I woke up that morning and somebody said, you need to go and have hands laid on you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I said, well, you know, whatever. Okay. So I did. And that night... When, when, when that elder laid his hand, he, he, he just happened to be the one that did it. And it was like, man, just like that. I was born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and spoke in tongues all at once. And it was like, woo! <laughs> and I honestly, I can tell you, I felt like I had fallen off the edge of a precipice. I mean, it was like falling off out here. And, and you know what? I never went back. I never went back. And I, now, all of a sudden, in a way, I mean, my whole life changed. I mean, from, from one day to the next. I mean, I, I, and, and now a year later, I'm, I'm starting to get panicky. And I'm going, Lord, really? Are you serious about the fact that um, you know, I don't, I don't have this, this, this drive within me that, you know, I mean, I knew I'm 32 years old. And I also knew that a woman, number one, in her 30s is at her peak. She is. She's a, she's a wonderful woman. And, and, and you young men, you take care of your wives because they'll take care of you. Okay? And, huh? Okay. I'll, I'll close up. <laughs> I'm I'm almost done, and but but what? Yeah, okay. I'm on morphine brain. You just knocked me off track. <laughs> okay, where where was I? <laughs> we, we, a, a woman in her thirties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a woman in her thirties. Okay, and what I want to say, and the point is that at that point in time, there there became a place, and I said to the Lord, I'm 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 afraid. Of, of losing th what you've given me. I mean, I've been able to be pure for over a year. And he said, why, why do you think you can't be? You know, what is it? What, 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 what are you afraid of? And he said, I am your strength. I am your, your, your everything in you. And what I want to say, particularly to the single to the single people in this room. We had a testimony here about the fact that stay pure before you're married. If you're engaged or you're looking at, you have a boyfriend and a girlfriend, stay pure before you're married. But what if you're not engaged and you don't have a boyfriend, but yet you still have that sexual drive? What do you do with that? Well, you, 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 you turn it over. You give it to him. And I promise you, He'll take care of it. He will honor it. And I can stand here today, and this is what I'm going to finish on, is that 40 years later, I can promise you, not having sex is not life-threatening. And we've got... One more testimony from the Drydens. This is Chad and Tammy. They're lovely. Thanks for that, Margaret. All right, Chad's my mic holder. <laughs> <laughs> Much more than that, but we won't go there. Uh, a few years ago, while waiting on God to rescue us from a very difficult situation, 
He led me to the story of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles uh, 20 and the three armies that declared war on the people of Israel. I'm going to read just a little bit. Don't worry, this is time. <laughs> we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Mount Ammon and <coughs> Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir, and they killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. They took a position of praise. As they were singing and giving praise, the Lord caused the armies to fight amongst, the, amongst themselves. So when the army of Judah arrived, all they saw were dead bodies. All they saw was God's miracle of victory. I decided I need to do, needed to do this with my own heart and family. So while waiting for our answer, we bought a cake to praise God and celebrate him. Not for what he could do for us, but for who he is. I needed to practice looking to him and worshiping him, reminding my heart of who he was. Since that day, we have continued the tradition and now call it our Second Chronicles cake. We recently sold our house, and it wasn't something we wanted to do, but it was obedience to the Lord. We were looking for a place to rent. Days went by with no answer, and we were, hearing our, we were nearing our move-out date. When the day came to close in the house, and we still didn't have answers or a place to be, um, fear and doubt crept in. I knew we needed a Second Chronicles cake practice of celebration to change my heart's perspective. So the next morning, I went and bought a cake, planning to celebrate God's faithfulness in the battle and his promise of provision. While the cake was on the counter, waiting for the evening celebration, God was at work and answered our plea before we had a chance to sit down and celebrate. So our celebration of who he was, lifting our eyes on him above our fear, turned into an additional celebration of praise for how he provided for us yet again. Second Chronicles cake isn't denial. It's in the midst of your struggle. It's in the midst of waiting and knowing that God is working. It's the obedient step of lifting our eyes and finding that freedom that God gives as he's doing the work. It's standing firm and waiting for him to do um, the battle. It's lifting our eyes on who he is. So today, as we celebrate and eat cake in a few minutes, think of it as your Second Chronicles cake. Maybe you're in celebration of what God's done for you during this time, about his answers and how he's worked. But maybe you're in the battle. And we have a situation, several situations we've been waiting on for about three years of broken relationships that are really hard. Today, I'm going to eat that cake, and I don't even like cake a whole lot, <laughs> but I'm going to eat it in celebration of what God is going to do and who God is, and maybe you need to do that too, the fact that he is always faithful and will answer and redeem. Take your position of praise, let God fight the battle, and go eat cake and celebrate him. Yes. I just want to add really quick.
so many times the Lord does things in a way that we wouldn't expect. Um, he does things even the way the world wouldn't expect. So this is just a great way to live into that through faith to just say, God, I don't know. I mean, we think in a battle, facing a battle, send in the strongest warriors, send in the biggest. But God says, nope, send in the singers. Yeah. And that's what he does. And it's just a great practice to lean, lean into that and live into that.